With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And now for our feature presentation. If there's anything we've ever done that I'm particularly proud of, I would have to say that the uh, perpetuation of the greatness of the Raiders to take a professional football team and give it a distinct characteristic that's different from all others. The greatness of the Raiders. Some may scoff, but what other pro sports team is instantly identified with a song like this one? I had a dream that someday I would build the finest organization in professional sports. There's a commitment to excellence, the greatest players, the flame that would burn brightest here is the will to win. Just win. Play hard. Try not to make mistakes. But don't worry about mistakes because there's only one thing that counts. Just win. When you have great coaches, then after you have great coaches, you get great players. You have a great organization, and you tell them one thing. Just win, baby. Welcome to another edition of Q&A on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network, brought to you by SB Nation. I'm Joe Arrigo, and with me, as always, is, for this case, the birthday boy, your boy Q. Happy belated birthday, my brother. Thank you, my man. I've been trying to celebrate my birthday as long as possible. I mean, the truth be told, it was on Sunday, (laughs) November 3rd, but I've been rocking it as long as possible. I started around November 1st, and I'm going to ride it out until people stop acknowledging it. So I'm going to go ahead and ride it out until November 8th or 9th or 10th. Whatever whatever happens, I got it going. So yeah, it's still my birthday. You could do it like most women and say you have a birthday month. (laughs) <laughs> Why well, I gotta do it like most women? How come it can't just be like me? <laughs> I saw how you you slid that in there. Do it like most women. I ain't no damn woman, but at the same time, I mean, hey, if if they get away with it, why can't I get away with it? Well, that's the point. Like most men are like, oh, it's my birthday. You know, I'll get a weekend. Men get a weekend, but you went the weekend already. But true. At the end of the day, I'm glad I'm glad you had a good birthday. I know you got seen that on Twitter, man. You got a lot of love from everybody, brother. No, I really did, man. I was I was uh, blown away. I mean, really blown away. I mean, just so much love. And, and really, it's from Raider Nation. It's all the people that gave me love, shouted me out on, on Twitter, happy birthday, and, you know, sent me gifts that they didn't have to do. I mean, it was awesome, man. So, yeah, I'm living my best life. I feel like I'm 21 years old again, and I'm definitely not 21 years old again. Well, the best part about your birthday was the Raiders got a win against Detroit in a game that was it was back and forth. And I think at the end of the day, the Ra- we've seen what the Raiders are – actually going to be this game in my opinion against against the lions we've seen that they're gonna when they run the ball and they're able to use play action they'll have some type of balance they're gonna lean a little bit more on run but they'll have some type of balance on offense but they're gonna try to be a bend but don't break defense and we've seen that um daryl worley he came up with with a big play with the interception and i think that's what you're going to get with him if you're a raider fan i think you're going to get worley making one big play a game but then you're going to sit there and you're going to 
kind of like beat your head against the mm-hmm. wall a few other times throughout the game. Um, and then you've seen Carl Joseph at the end of the at the end of the game, last play of the game, break up the pass and and preserve the the thirty one twenty four victory over Detroit. You know, see, there's a lot. That, well, I want to touch on this game before we focus on the Chargers, and the reason being is with things I just said. On top of the fact that Derek Carr is playing really, really good football, I think he had like 115 and change uh, a quarterback rating. He's he's putting up really good numbers, and he's he's. I think he's. Some people are starting to turn the corner and really look at him as okay. This is our franchise quarterback, and I'm okay with it. You still have your detractors, but overall, this is kind of what Derek Carr is going to be in John Gruden's offense, and he's still getting acclimated to it. Yeah, I think there's no doubt about it that he's definitely the guy moving forward. He knows exactly what John Gruden wants, and he's executing it. You know, he he is in full control of what he's doing on the field, and that is my biggest takeaway, and that really could be the biggest compliment. You can't uh, you can't really overcompliment him when you say he's in control when he's on the field. Not only when he he's dropping back to pass the ball, not only when he's you know extending drives on on you know third and long, and you know he's keeping plays alive with his feet, and then and then finding the open receiver, but He's also checking out a play, so he's reading the defense, and I think this is the biggest sign of a quarterback who's getting what his head coach is trying to tell him. He's reading the defenses and saying, you know what, this play we have called is not going to work. I'm going to check out of this play, give it to the young running back, we're going to check into this play, and oh, by the way, you're going to go for 20 yards, 25 yards. Multiple times this season so far, we've seen Derek Carr check out of a play Hand it off to, to Josh Jacobs, and he goes for 20 yards, 25 yards, 30 yards, 40 yards. He goes for big plays. Derek Carr has a complete grasp of this offense that John Gruden wants to run, and that is the biggest compliment. That's the biggest sign of, okay, this guy has turned the corner and he's getting it. If anyone had a question if Derek Carr is the guy moving forward, they should not have a question at all anymore. What I like about Carr's game and what he did was you look at the last touchdown pass to Hunter Renfro. He gets out the pocket, and if you're a right-handed quarterback, you really want to scramble to your right because it's easier for you to square your shoulders up and throw. He scrambles left, and he throws a ball that is literally the only place he could throw it for Renfro to catch it. And it's a perfectly thrown ball for the game-winning touchdown, but you've seen how his teammates reacted. And they did this with big Trent Brown out. You know, we don't know whether or not he's going to play on Thursday. Um, He did it with, at the end of the day, the weight of Oakland on his shoulders. And he did it in front of a crowd that hadn't seen their team in a month and a half. So you have to, if you're a Raiders fan, you have to be excited about the progression that Carr has made. The fact that he's healthy still at this point in the week nine, he's still healthy which he hasn't been the last couple of years. And he's, he's getting the ball out quickly. And, so, you know, people can be pissed off that he checks down a little bit too much. But you know what? If you're checking down on first or second down and you're picking up four or five yards, you want that because that, cre- that creates second and third and short. If he's checking down on third down and eight and he's throwing five yards to a back or to a tight end or receiver, they're expected to get yards after the catch in Gruden's offense. That's what it's all predicated off of. Gruden's offense is a bunch of long handoffs on pass plays. That's what he wants. He doesn't want to take shots deep like if Sean McVay does or 
Andy Reid. His offense is more long handoffs with short to intermediate routes and, and high, highly accurate throws. So at the end of the day, you're 100% factually, and I think you know, the eyeball test and the numbers aren't lying in this case. Derek Carr is playing the best football of his career, in my opinion. No, he's doing really well. And not to mention, I mean, I mean you're right about the you know throwing the ball short and getting the, uh, the running backs and the wide receivers to get those yards after the catch. But he also takes shots. You know, and he's been taking shots the last few weeks. When they have that matchup, when it's there, he's not forcing it down the field just because, well, the fans want to, want to see it. You know what I mean? He's not doing it just to do it for the sake of doing it. He's doing it when he has the opportunity. When I was there at the game in Houston, he was taking shots down the field against former Raider defensive back Garyon Conley because, well, he knew how he plays. And he said, you know what? This is a favorable matchup. We're going to go after this dude. And they went after that dude. Now, they lost the game, absolutely. But they had moments where they could have won that game. That was a game that, in my opinion, as I was a guy that was there watching it, they should have won. So Derek Carr is picking and choosing when he takes those shots. John Gruden is picking and choosing when he calls those shots, when he has those favorable matchups. And a lot of people are not John Gruden fans. A lot of people think that he's an egomaniac and that he's going to do things his way and it's not really the right way. But you know what? John Gruden has been dialing up game plan after game plan after game plan that has been very successful and setting up the guys that he has on that roster for success. Now, it hasn't shaken out to a win every single game, but you could tell that, especially on offense, this team is headed in the right direction. They're playing some good ball right now, and there's not a lot of teams that that you could say, well, they're clicking on all cylinders offensively. Now, again, they're not clicking on all cylinders throughout the whole team. Defense is a, is a big struggle still, but offensively, right now, you can't really you can't really complain about what you're seeing. The output from the offense is really, really good as of late. Absolutely, Carr uh, against the Lions, twenty-one to thirty or twenty of thirty-one for two eighty-nine and two touchdowns. Similar numbers the week previous. I think he had like two hundred and seventy-nine yards and two touchdowns. Uh, he, I think he completed twenty-two of twenty-eight passes um, against Houston the week prior. So when you look at what he's doing, he's highly efficient. He's doing all the things that Gruden wants him to do, and you see him on the sideline communicating with Gruden. I think that's big. And you and you said something there that that. Wasn't in the rundown. Wasn't anything that we talked about. We're talking about um, hitting, he's not doing things everybody's way. He grew that being Gruden that he's doing things his way. And I'm going to use Josh Jacobs as an example. Um, 120 yards on 28 carries and two touchdowns last week. He also set the franchise rookie running uh, rushing record. He eclipsed Marcus Allen's. Marcus Allen had 697 yards his rookie year so far. Um, Jacobs is over 740, I believe. Well, it came out in the USA Today that uh, an anonymous NFL executive said that at the end of the day, he thought that the Raiders are actually winning the Khalil Mack trade when it's all said and done. In part because you look at what the Bears are right now. This is what the Bears were last year, except they're in a division that had the best player or quarterback in the division out with an injury or playing through an injury. You had a Detroit Lions team getting to know their head coach for the first time. And you had a Minnesota Viking team that was injured. So the Bears stayed healthy most of the year. They ran the ball effectively, and they went on to win games. But this year, the Packers are a better team the best team in that division. The Vikings are right behind them. Detroit is a very good team. And the Bears are 
where they should be and where, quite honestly, I thought they would be last year. They're a team that's going to be picking in the top 10. Well, that pick will be the Raiders pick, and it's going to be in the top 10 if things continue to play out with their office of genius as a head coach, which I don't know where that <laughs> moniker came from. And their quarter, ultra-sensitive, don't want to listen to the critics, you know, so turn the TVs off when I'm around quarterback. Right now, the, if the Raiders continue, and the Raiders brain trust of Mike Mayock and John Gruden continue to hit on the picks that they have in front of them, and they have a bunch of picks this year going forward, you can see a team that when they get to Vegas next year is competing for the AFC West title, barring any significant injury, with all the cap space, with the draft picks. And I have my thoughts on right now what they would actually need, who, not who, but positions they would need to draft. And shockingly, if none of it is offensive with their first two picks. Right. Um, I, I think this is a team that Gruden is actually showing being in the booth it wasn't a detriment. I've learned and studied the last 10 years, and I'm coming back with this plan, and we're going to be really good for a long time. I agree. I mean, I, I do, and I, I was one of those guys that always supported Gruden anyway. I thought he had a good idea, good plan. He knows what it means to be a Raiders head coach. I mean, everyone's not built to be the Raiders head coach. I don't care who you are. Everyone is not cut out for this job, and I think John Gruden is one of those guys that's cut out for the job. He's a guy that not only wants to be successful this year, but he's a guy that wants to be successful for the long run, and so that's what I'm excited about. And you said it, man. Right now, the Bears pick, their first-round pick in 2020 would be a top-10 pick. It would be number 10 overall. I, right now, and this is early, it's only November, early November, I wouldn't be, uh, uh, I wouldn't be against the fact that the Raiders could package their two picks and move up in the draft and go and get a guy like Chase Young out of uh, out of Ohio State, be that stud defensive end, and uh, and get be able to get after the quarterback. I think that'd be a hell of a player to add to the Raiders' defense. Really, give a, a nice tool, a nice weapon to Paul Gunther in that defense, and I think that that kind of sets it off. Look, they got five picks in the first three rounds, two in the first round and three in the third round. I'd be okay if they packaged those first two round picks, moved up. Got Chase Young from Ohio State because he's going to be a top, what, two, three pick. I wouldn't mind if they moved up and got him, and then, boom, you have that big-time piece on your defense, and then, hey, you still got three picks in the next you know, two rounds. Obviously, they're all in uh, round three, but I'd be fine with that, and I think that'd be a hell of a move, and that's something that, that has been in the back of my mind for a while, and I haven't spoken on it. I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with that. The guy that I personally um, – I'm looking for a couple people. One is is Grant Delpit from the safety from LSU. Uh, he's a guy that I think is a big time, big time player. Um, Kenneth Murray is an inside linebacker from Oklahoma, big difference maker. Um, and there's another linebacker that I really, really I'm trying to remember. Is he from LSU? Justin Simmons. Um, yes. He's the other guy I really like. And and I don't think – I think Chase Young, to be honest with you, I think Chase Young's going number one overall. He won't. Like, if, it's, if, it, if, it's, if it's Miami and, they're gonna, and they have two high first-round picks, let's say two top five or top ten first-round picks, I actually think he goes number one. They'll, they'll get a quarterback later because two is not going to be the first quarterback taken. You can – I've told you this privately. I've said this – a month ago, the number one quarterback in this draft is going to be taken 
is LSU's quarterback. He is everything you want in a quarterback for this draft. It's not Herbert. I don't see Herbert. There's a lot of flaws in his game. It's not Tua. There's injury questions with him. But my man at LSU is the best quarterback in this draft and will go number one, be the first quarterback taken if it's number one. But Chase Young's going to be right there. And I don't know if a team would be willing to move off of a pick if they have the chance to draft Chase Young at that spot. But my point is, is you can get – I mean, I, I told this to TQ on, on Saturday. We were at a watch party at Al's Garage in Summerlin here in Las Vegas for uh, UNLV football. And I said, look, I've been a big Carl Joseph proponent. I've been a, a guy. He needs someone next to him. I know Abrams is out, Jonathan Abrams is out, but at the end of the day, I just don't think Joseph's that guy right now or in this game. I know he's a big play on Saturday. I'm just not, as much as it hurts me to say it, because I really like him and I like him coming out of college, I don't think he's that guy. No, I, I don't they, either. I thought they should have went after and got Jamal Adams. I threw out some trade scenarios. I know people themselves crazy. But I believe that much. I think he would compliment Abram perfectly. At the end of the day, I think they need to add an inside linebacker that that can quarterback that defense the same way Carr does on the offensive side of the ball. That can grow, can get sideline to sideline, and they need somebody on the back end next to Abram or another corner that can really lock things down. Because I know they have the two young guys, and they have um, um. Trayvon McMullen and, jo- and Joseph coming back this week, and Keyshawn Nixon's there. But they also may, may need to go get somebody in this draft because the way the NFL is going, you need to have a plethora of corners. No, you really do. And I like what Trayvon Mullen's been doing. I, I like him a lot. Second-round draft pick out of Clemson. He's been doing some big things, and uh, he's been showing his worth so far. He's been showing why it was okay to go ahead and trade Garyon Conley, their former first-round draft pick, to the Texans, even the week that they were going to play the Texans. I thought that was a big slap in the face, but I thought it was awesome at the same time. And, you know, they went after him. They, they showed that. And Trayvon Mullen's going to be a player. You know, we'll see what Isaiah Johnson has. He should be activated later on uh, against the Chargers. Or he should play against the Chargers on Thursday night. And uh, that should be exciting just to see because John Gruden uh, and, and Trayvon Mullen and some other guys, uh, Paul Gunther, they've all been hyping up Isaiah Johnson that he's going to be a dude, but uh, nobody's seen it. You know, nobody's seen it. He's going to get his first taste of of uh, NFL football, NFL action on Thursday night against the Chargers. So that should be exciting to see where he's at. But if those two dudes can lock it down, you have a guy like Keyshawn Nixon as a, as a third guy. You have a guy like uh, – um, uh, damn it, I forget. Oh, LaMarcus Joyner. And he's supposed to be stepping up. He hasn't been all that he was, uh, you know, cracked up to be when they signed him, gave him that big free agent contract. But uh, he's got to continue to get better. And, uh, you know, so we'll, we'll see exactly where they are as far as the secondary goes. I would love to see them get, like, a lockdown dude. I, I would love to see them go and make a move for Jamal Adams because he's an alpha dog. I mean, he's just a- absolutely that dude. And uh, he makes your whole defense better, not just uh, the safety position. He makes your whole defense better just because of who he is. And honestly, as much as a lot of people, including myself, like Jonathan Abram, nobody knows who he is. Nobody knows who he is as a player. He played one game. He played one game so far as a pro. Nobody knows if he's going to be good or if he's going to be just a dude who talks a, a big talk and doesn't really play a big game. I mean, nobody knows. He's got to go out there and prove it. I'm with you on the Carl Joseph. I, I think that the Raiders have been trying to trade him and move on from him for a while and haven't found any takers. I don't think they bring him back next year. If they do, it's like a one-year deal, uh, a minimum deal. 
but I just don't know if he's the guy that they're looking for. I mean, I really don't. So uh, there's some areas that they need to improve. Linebacker, I've been pounding the table for, for years now to go and get a real uh, sideline to sideline, three down back linebacker. I mean, they, they need to get that guy, and they don't have him yet. I mean, they've been trying to get guys and filling them in, and Montez Burford, that was nice until it wasn't. Brandon Marshall, that was nice until it wasn't twice. Uh, you know, to hear Whitehead, he's cool, but he's not all that. Nicholas Morrow, he's okay. I mean, there's you know what I mean? It's like there's nobody that's really that guy. They need to get their own dude. They need to get a stud at that linebacker position, and when they do, that'd be great. So I can see everything you're saying, uh, you know, makes sense. But, again, I think if there's an opportunity to go up there and get Chase Young, you go get the best player that's in the draft. And I think Chase Young's going to be the best player in the draft coming up in 2020. I know there's still a long time between now and then. But if you can go up, if you got the ammunition to go up and move and get him, I think you go do that, and it's a no-brainer, and you make that defense that much better. No, I don't disagree with you. Okay? If, they, if someone's willing to move off that pick and there, 100%, you go get him. He, I think he's a generational type pass rusher. Um, I just don't know if someone is going to move off that pick with him there. That's what's going to be the question. But stranger things have happened. Um, on this weekend, the 150th anniversary of football, the first football game played, which was Princeton and Rutgers 150 years ago. Uh, the Raiders take on the Chargers, and there's a lot of stuff going on with the Chargers, stuff that we talked about a month ago that Fred Rogan put out there and now uh, another guy I worked with at the Beach 980 and now he's with the athletic Vinny, Vinny Bonsignor. Uh, Vinny put something out the other day. We'll kind of touch on that a little bit, but we're going to focus heavy on the game, what the Raiders need to do to win, what the Chargers are, what they're not. They're getting, are they getting healthy at the right time? We'll tell you that and more when you come back. You're listening to Q&A on the Silver and Black Five Podcast Network brought to you by SB Nation. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back to Q&A with your boy Q and myself, Joe Rigo, on the Silver and Black Side podcast network, powered by SB Nation. So, Q, before we get heavy into the game, uh, Vinny Bonsignor is a guy that I, I mean, I've known Vinny for now, close to like seven, eight, nine years. Vinny pulled, put a story together. Uh, he sourced multiple NFL executives um, and basically came out and said, and this to give you the gist of it, that the NFL uh, has privately discussed the Chargers potentially moving to London um, because they know LA, LA is not working out. Um, Dean Spanos uh, using very creative uh, adverbs, noun, adjectives to describe the report. Said it's basically completely false. The NFL issued a statement. But I'll say this I've known Vinny a long time. Vinny wouldn't report something if it wasn't actually factual. We both know that L.A. is not working out well for the Chargers. The Rams are getting a stronghold as far as professional football in that city. The Chargers are continuously losing ground. It was a bad move to begin with. 
It was done out of spite by Gene Spanos. Um, Q, what do you think about this on the eve of a Thursday night game? And this this report comes out Monday. You know, I, I don't really think too much of it. I really don't, you know, take take too much of the report at all. I mean, I, I get it, and I'm sure that there's been conversations about that. I just don't know where those conversations, like where, where what the agenda is, has been driven. I don't know if it's the agenda to get the Chargers actually to London and get that team there, or if the agenda is put out that the team is is talking about it or, or the NFL is talking about putting the Chargers into London to kind of get another team like the Jacksonville Jaguars to decide that they want to make that move to London. I think all in all, I think it's a bad idea to have any team in London. I just don't like it in general. I think it's a bad idea no matter how you, you slice it, no matter how you uh, dress it up, no matter what you do. I think it's a bad idea to have any NFL team in London 100% of the time. But I just think that this conversation that's being had and all these reports that are being put out there, and I know that Vinny has a lot of credible sources. I absolutely know that he does for a fact. I just feel like a lot of these sources may have been feeding him some information to kind of nudge another team that has really good ties to London, that has an owner that has ties to London, that to you know try to get them to make a move, not necessarily the Chargers. I think that they're not going anywhere. They're going to play in L.A. as much as that's a bad idea. If anything, that they should stay in San Diego, but we all know that that's not happening. When they get that opportunity, when that new stadium opens up in L.A., they're going to be there. They're going to be a tenant. They're going to be the redhead stepchild. You know, it's not their place. It's a uh, it's really a bad situation for them, all in all. But that's what they're that you know that's what that's how it's shaking out. That's what they're set up for, and that's where they're going to play. I don't buy that they're going to be in London at all. But I do believe that there's some agenda going on in the back channels of the NFL trying to put these stories out, and they could be. And I feel like they're possibly, probably using Vinny as that as that outlet. Fred Rogan said, and Fred is my mentor in in, in sports media. Period. Uh, Fred has said publicly that stuff would come out in the near future. That was a month ago. And depending on where it's coming from and who it's coming from, you'll know the narrative. I don't think you're too far off. I think the NFL has discussed this. But I think if the Chargers want to do anything, I'm going to steal Nick Hamilton, who has a new show, folks. You need to check it out. It's on uh, the Silver and Black Pride uh, podcast network on SB Nation called – uh, Black, the Black Hole Podcast, uh, it's himself and then Caitlin Sokol. Uh, Nick will, but this one's just Nick Solo. He has a writer from a CBS LA anthem to talk to him. He covers the Chargers. Well, Nick has said it'd be a great idea for the Chargers to go down to San Diego and rebrand. Go down there and say, here is the colors, the name, everything. Colors, name, records, it. The Chargers belong in San Diego. They belong to San Diego. And rebrand their name, logo, colors, kind of like how when, when, when Cleveland did and how they had to do the Ravens. They do something similar in L.A. That way, people in L.A. can probably endear themselves a little bit more. Uh, quite frankly, I don't think the Chargers will ever work in L.A. No. I mean, there's times where I, I still call them the San Diego Chargers. Everybody I mean, does. That's it's just what it is. There's no way they'll ever go back to San Diego unless, let's say, uh, Steve Ballmer or somebody buys them and then buys the land and builds the stadium, which if Ballmer buys them, he's not going to move them out of Inglewood next to where he's building the Clippers' new palace. Um, but somebody like that, a re- extremely wealthy person that could build a stadium and can move them back because they've been sold. 
I don't think they move to London. There's too much travel logistics, and the NFL schedule makers have to get really, really creative. I, I don't think that happens, but I think it's. But I think what it is is a message to Dean Spanos from other NFL owners telling them get your stuff together. Because if you look at the, the landscape of the NFL, I'm gonna bring this back to the Raiders. Before, for far too long, all people say is Mark Davis is poor. Mark Davis doesn't have money. Mark Davis can't afford this. Well, Mark Davis's franchise is worth billions of dollars now. Mark can afford things. Well, Dean Spanos may be the out of all the owners in the NFL, the poorest owner financially in the NFL because again, like Mark Davis, every penny that he has goes right back into the Chargers. So. I think people are going to start looking at Dean a little bit, uh, Dean in a different light. And it's not the San Diego media that's going to be protecting him and kind of like, oh, well, that's our guy because he's San Diego. People are going to start going in on Dean Spanos a little bit more on a, on a, in, a, in L.A. and on a national level because at the end of the day, you have a team that's had a quarterback there for a very long time and you, quite frankly, have been average at best. You have a very good young defense with two Three studs, three guys that are our foundational pieces in Derwin James, who may be back tomorrow night, Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram, and a very, very good corner. I think he's one of the top ten corners in the league in Casey Hayward at corner. You have one of the best running backs in the league that you're not going to pay because you can't afford it. And you have a quarterback back to him that's aging and it's starting to show. So at the end of the day, the Chargers are in a world of hurt where I don't think the Raiders are moving forward, and it's just like the, kind of like a, a look into two worlds, and that's kind of why I wanted to talk about this. So I think we agree. No London Chargers? No. Are we, are we in agreement with that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Chargers ain't going to London. No, no way. Okay, so let's focus on the game at hand now. The Chargers, they took Green Bay to the woodshed on – on Sunday, they came out firing. Uh, they came out really running the ball, and I think you're gonna, the Chargers and this. That's what you're going to see with against this Raiders team. I believe quarterbacks, when they get to a certain age, it's like them ha- like somebody that has dementia. And if you don't know about dementia, the disease that you basically lose your memory and you lose really at, at uh, a lot of times you as you're getting ready to pass you you kind of forget how to breathe and whatnot. Well, with dementia, right before you pass, like a day or two before you pass, you have a lucid day where everything works right. Everything works like it's supposed to be. Well, I think it's like that with certain quarterbacks, with the, with the quarterback position. Brett Favre had it with Green Bay. The, the year that, that he they basically forced him out of Green Bay, he had a very good year after years of being mediocre or average at best. He went to, to New York, had a, a below-average year, went to Minnesota, had some really good games, but overall it was an average year. The following year, it was, it was just bad football. I think that's what we're seeing with Phillip Rivers. I think now, last year, he had that year where he was phenomenal. I mean, he was airing the ball out, throwing for three, four touchdowns, 300-plus yards a game. This year, he looks every bit of his age. So... At this point, the Chargers are going to be a team that's going to rely on the running game, in my opinion. They did it against Green Bay. They ran the ball down Green Bay's throat. And then they used some play action, but they used Gordon out the backfield. 
And you know, Keenan Allen wasn't that much of a factor. It was other players around them. Hunter Henry in particular was a big factor in that game. I think they're going to have that same type of game plan going against the Raiders. What the Raiders have as an advantage, though, Q, is the fact that now they have a week's worth of film of the new offensive coordinator that Noah, that Green Bay didn't have last week and nobody had in the NFL. They have an idea of how he wants to call plays and what he likes to do in certain situations, and I think that bodes well for Gruden and Gunther. Well, I'll tell you what I think is even better for the Raiders is the fact that they're really good against the run. I mean, they're really good at stopping the run. That's what they do. You know, there hasn't been too many running backs that have gone over 100 yards against the Raiders. Now, Dalvin Cook did it, but there hasn't been too many others that have done it. You know, he's held, the Raiders, that that is, have held uh, a lot of running backs, really good running backs, in check this season. That's been their their strength of their defense. Now, their passing game defense has not been good. The secondary has been suspect. The linebackers are suspect. Uh, the safeties have been suspect. I mean, all of that's been suspect. But when it comes to stopping the run and slowing down the run, the Raiders have done a good job against that. Now, they struggled a little bit against the Lions, but the Lions still had under, under 100 yards rushing as a whole. So I think the Raiders are going to have no problem slowing down Melvin Gordon. I don't think Melvin Gordon, I know you mentioned it, he's one of the better running backs in the league. I don't see that. I don't think he's one of the better running backs in the league. I think really? he's just—I think he's all right. I just think he's all right. I take Josh Jacobs ten times out of ten over Melvin Gordon. I would not even think about it twice. Who do you want, Jacobs, or do you want Melvin Gordon? I'm taking Jacobs for a thousand, please, Alex. You know, it's like it's not even a question for me because I don't think Melvin Gordon is consistent enough. I think he's good. I don't think he's great, and I don't think he's worth the money that he wanted. Where he wanted thirteen something million, they offered him ten million, and he didn't want to take it. I think he made a mistake by not taking it. Uh, the one thing I will say about him is I think he's starting to get into game shape. He wasn't in game shape earlier yeah. in the season after he reported. I think he is getting in game shape, but I have a lot of confidence that the Raiders' defense is going to be able to slow that dude down. I believe he gets less than 100 yards rushing, and Phillip Rivers is going to have to take it upon his arm to get it done. And I'm not saying he can't because Hunter Henry, like you mentioned, is a dude, and the Raiders struggle to cover the tight end. Keenan Allen is a dude, and the Raiders' secondary is a little bit suspect. I mean, they got guys to get it done. So the Raiders are going to have to really rely on a, a lot of different weapons defensively to try to slow down the, the, the Chargers' offense. But as far as the run game goes, I don't think the Raiders should really sweat that too much as long as they stick to their technique and do what they've been doing all season long, which has been slowing down and shutting down the run. See, I, I think uh, I think this: the Chargers are getting healthy right now for the first time. They got Russell Okun back, which was their offensive line play has been horrendous. The right tackle went down last week. I'm not sure if he comes back to play this week, but I, 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 their offensive line play has been really, really bad. But with Okun coming back, Gordon getting in game shape. And, and I think last week you kind of seen that. And I disagree. I think he's a top five back in the, in the league. Top I five? Right top five? Yeah, Are you serious? Come on, Next man. Year, Are you, okay. All right. You got Zeke Elliott. That's one. Right. You got Dalvin Cook. That's two. Who's your Who's three? Todd Gurley? No. Gurley. No. I don't think Gurley's in there. At all. Gurley can only cut off one leg. His okay. other leg, he, he, he can't cut. Okay, so, so okay, I you think got Gurley's career is done. Okay, you got Zeke um, and you got Dalvin Cook. Who else do you have? Because I know damn well Melvin Gordon is not top five. No way, no way. I, I think I think Sa- I think Saquon Barkley's in that group. Okay, that's three. Um, for me, I have Gordon in that group, and um, come on, man. Okay, where do you I'm, have Alvin I'm Kamara? Trying, trying. Where's Alvin Kamara at? 
Camaro being that group as well. Those would be my five. Those would be my five. I would say that I actually like, and you should appreciate this, I actually like Aaron Jones better than I like Melvin Gordon. My only problem with Aaron Jones, he's not. He's talking about inconsistent. Last week, he and I, he's in. I think he's in that seven group. I think it's Jacobs and and Jones in that seven for me. But there's, I don't have. I, I like Gordon a lot. I think he's. I think he's special, and I think he's a guy that at the end of the day, he's going to leave, and it wouldn't. Be, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up in Houston or Detroit. Um. I think he goes to Houston, and they become a Super Bowl contender with him. He's that much of a Speaking of Houston, what about Carlos Hyde? Carlos Hyde is better than Melvin Gordon. No way. Yes, no he, absolutely, way. absolutely. No way. Look at the numbers. I disagree. Great. What about Leonard Fournette okay. in Jacksonville? What about Christian McCaffrey? Nope. I mean, come on. What about Nick Chubb? What McCaffrey, about Chris Carson? McCaffrey, you can make the argument. You can make in the it's top no argument. Game, you can make argument McCaffrey over over Aaron Jones. There's no okay. That's fine, but there's no argument. You got Christian McCaffrey. You got Leonard Fournette. You got Nick Chubb. You got Chris Carson. You got Zeke Elliott. You got Josh Jacobs, Carlos Hyde, Marlon I'm Mack. Looking, I would take all those numbers. cats over Melvin Gordon. I'm not looking at. I'm not looking at numbers because Gordon's only played in three games. Not my fault. But those guys have had. No, it's not. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, he played. Look at the numbers last year. Numbers are huge. The year before, numbers are huge. Leonard Fournette doesn't have numbers. Leonard Fournette will get hurt again, like he always does. In, and then, okay, and that's Leonard Fournette. In 2018, Melvin Gordon came in tenth. Tenth. Tenth in rushing. Tenth. Because they were throwing the they were throwing the ball. Everywhere, he's you only had, had one. And you had Tyrell Williams. You had him catching balls. They were throwing the ball all over the place. He's only had one thousand yard season in his career, and he's never even played a full season because he's always injured. Like there, there's no way I could buy a top five with Melvin Gordon, man. There's no way I could ever agree with this conversation that we're having. No way. This is this is a, this is a first. Q and Joe are not agreeing at all. This is a first at all. There's no way. <laughs> There's no, there's just, he's not, he's not like that Melvin guy. A lot. He's not that guy. I'll take him over Le'Veon Bell. Um, yeah, Le'Veon Bell last year wasn't very good. <laughs> That's what I'll give you. Le'Veon <laughs> Bell wasn't, he wasn't very good last year. <laughs> and he's not very good this year. No, he's not. He's not very good this year. You're right. You're absolutely but, but right. See, but, it, but, but that goes to show the importance of an offensive line. And this is, this is my problem with the Chargers going against the Raiders. The Chargers don't have a good offensive line. Defensive line, the Chargers Solid. are very good up front. Yep. They're, I think they're very good up front. Football people know, not just people that, oh, drop the receiver. Like, I joke, I will joke with TQ, like, oh, Jeremy Judy, top 10 pick. He's going to be a Raider. Jerry Judy, Jerry Judy. And he's like, man, we don't need a receiver. And he gets, he gets frustrated, in part because he's from Alabama and he doesn't like anybody from Alabama. He respects them. His cousin Julio Jones and TJ Yeldon, for that matter, but he just he hates Alabama. Where I, I I just like messing with him like that. But the reality is, I have no problem with the way the Raiders are building their lines because they're building. That's how you build a good football team from the inside out. Yep. The Chargers the Chargers haven't done that. They haven't done that at all, at least uh, on the offensive side of the ball. So for me. That's where I think the Raiders have an advantage, their D-line. And, look, I'm going to say this right now, and you may disagree with me as well. Cleveland Farrell is not having a bad year at all. 
He's doing exactly what is asked of him with the defense, where they're putting him, and what they're asking him to do with with the, the some of the parts that are around him. I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with that at all. I, I actually have been one of the guys that have told and tried to tell Raider Nation to calm down about the he's a bust, he's not the guy at number four. Was I shocked that they took him at number four? Yeah, I was. When I was there in Nashville, I kind of looked at my coworker from ESPN Central Texas, and I said, at number four? Okay, and then I heard that you know they tried to trade back and they couldn't, so okay, they took the guy that they were comfortable with, the guy that they wanted for multiple reasons. He fits the Paul Gunther defense the way that they want to run it. He's been asked to do multiple things, so no, I'm not I'm not mad at, at what Cleve Farrell's doing. Uh, I love the fact that uh, other guys have been stepping up, like Mad Max Crosby, uh, you know uh, Benson Mayoa, the old school veteran. He's been making things happen. I mean, I'm 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 not mad at at the guys that are working along the defensive line. That's been the strength of the Raiders' defense. Have they got all the pressure on the quarterback that they want? No, but I can see where they're building this thing, and I think Cleve Farrell's going to be a guy who's really. Uh, uh, a key cog in building this Raiders defense. And, and one thing I saw and I read, uh, Paul Gutierrez, longtime ESPN.com uh, reporter, beat writer for the for the Raiders. UNLV alum. Yeah, yeah. He's been covering the Raiders for years. UNLV alum, like you mentioned. He wrote a good piece. And every once in a while, he writes a piece that stands out to me. And he wrote something uh, on yesterday, yesterday, matter of fact, about uh, about Cleve Farrell and talking about the fact that, uh, you know, the, the Raiders are seeing a lot more than stats. They're not worried about the stats. They're seeing a lot from Cleve that they ex- enjoy and they like and that they feel like he could build off of. And then uh, he asked Clee about the, you know, like, hey, what do you what do you think about all the, you know, people talking about you being a bust and you're not a good player and this and that. And the fact that he said, I don't care about what people say. They did it to me in college. It's not a big deal. I don't care what people expect. That's fine. They did it to me in college. It's not a big deal. I don't do this for the uh, recognition. I don't do this for the money. I do this because I love the game of football. That sentence right there. When he said, I love the game of football and this is why I play, it's for the love, that let me know right now that that is the guy, that is a good leader, that's a good guy to build off of. Now, you know, a lot of people are going to say, okay, so you pick a leader at number four or do you pick a, a big-time playmaker at number four? What? Hey, I'm not the guy in the room. I'm not in the war room. I didn't call the shots. I'm just saying I understand why they got him. You know what I mean? And so I'm very comfortable with what Cleve Farrell's doing, and I think he's going to continue to get better and better and better. I think Mike Mayock and John Gruden had a great draft. I think they knocked it out of the park. I, I really, really do. I would take the leader at number four on a team that had no leaders. I believe it. That's uh, yeah. what you need. I'm with you. you I'm with you. You, you had you. You had a playmaker, a person that would go get a lot of sacks starting year two because year one he had four, four and a half sacks. Four sacks. Year yep. one. Yep. Four sacks. Year one. Okay. So year two and on, yes, he 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 put it together, and that's when you seen, you know, the Mack truck get at it. But I, they needed a leader, a tone setter on defense, a tone setter for the locker room. That's what they got. That's what they. That's what they. That's what they're in part of what they're paying for, and they know he's only going to get better. So, I do think the Raiders up front will do a better job than what people are going to give them credit for um, against the Chargers offense. That's twenty first in points, uh, sixth in passing yardage, and twenty eighth rushing. Now I know that the rushing can be. Uh, a little misleading again because Gordon hasn't been playing, and you know, but you know, numbers don't lie. They're still ranked 28th in the NFL. When you look at the Raiders on defense, they're giving up 92 and a half yards a game. They're giving up 297 yards in the air, so 390 yards in total. And 
you know, 27 points a game, while the Chargers, they give up uh, 20 points in a game. So the Chargers in the air do a really good job in their secondary. And, again, if they get Derwin James back, I think it's going to be a game-time decision. I know he's eligible to come off this week. He's, he's, he's a difference maker. I mean, he to me, coming out, he was my favorite player in that draft uh, last year. Um, and he's the type of guy that I think uh, is a, a generational talent in the back end. Because um, he can do everything. You can line him up at free or strong. You can line him up outside. You can line him up in the slot. You can line him up as as a, a buck backer. You can line him up anywhere on the defense side of the ball and he's going to make plays. The Raiders, to me, and I wrote this on Franchise Sports Media um, today, as a matter of fact, the game preview that's already out. To me, the, the Raiders need to run the ball and control the clock. Be, you know, you got to keep your defense off the field, and that defense is a bend-don't-break defense. So what you see with them is what you're going to get. And they're going to give up a couple big plays, but lately they've been making the big plays in crunch time. And that's probably what's going to happen again, you know, on Thursday night. The Raiders, to win this game on Thursday night, the the key is going to make – they have to make the Chargers – kick a couple field goals, settle for a couple field goals where they normally would get touchdowns. I mean, it's ultimately that's what it's going to boil down to because they're not a defense that's going to shut you down. They're not a defense that's going to clamp you up and, and really make you struggle to score points. They're a defense. Yo, Q, I lost you. Yo, you're here now? Yo, I, I lost you for a minute, yeah. Okay. Uh, they say kick a couple field goals and then I lost you. Oh, okay. All right, well, I'm here. Uh, yeah, they're not a team that's going to you know clamp you down, and they're not going to team that's going to lock you up and and stop you from scoring anything. They're a team that, like you mentioned, Ben don't break. They have got to find a way to make the Chargers settle for a couple field goals, and if they could do that on the other end, offensively, they got to go and do what they've been doing, which has been scoring a lot of points, getting in the red zone, and converting. You know, if you can do that, if you can do that consistently, similar to what they did against the Lions, they can come out of this game with a victory. I think the crowd. Being in uh, Oakland again for the second week or second game in a row, uh, it's, it's basically it's less than a week, so I'm not going to say second week, but it's less than a week. But being there for the second game in the Coliseum after being on the road for six weeks, I think that that's going to be major. I think that that home crowd is going to give the Raiders at least three points, at least three points. I said last week that the the Raiders were going to get seven points based off the off the home crowd, and look look what the score was: 31-24. They won by a touchdown. I think that the Raiders can get an extra three points in this game based off the energy that the crowd brings them, just because they're so excited to see their team back in the Coliseum. So I'm excited about this game. Definitely think the Raiders could win it. Uh, they got to lead with the run. Josh Jacobs has got to be a dude. He's already been a dude so far through eight games. He's over 700 yards rushing, got six touchdowns on the season. I mean, he's he's a monster. He's everything that he's he was built to be when uh, when the Raiders drafted him at number 24 overall. You, you establish the run. Let Derek Carr do what he does. The Chargers secondary is very good. Don't get me wrong. It's very good, but... As long as Derek Carr has some time to throw the ball, he's shown he can do it and make it happen. So I'm excited about the game. think that the Raiders have a very good shot, uh, more than a puncher's chance of winning this game on Thursday night. They just got to go out there and do it. I agree. Um, I also think Russell Okun, did you hear his comment he made today about the Chargers' final game in Oakland and, and what he's going to remember most or miss the most about going up to Oakland? No, I didn't hear that. What did he say, playing in the dirt? No, he said – the smell. He goes, it's all it smells like is a, everybody there smoking weed. So you get a contact high on the field. <laughs> so he said, that's what he's going to remember most. And he's probably going to miss the most. Uh, 
I agree that Josh Jacobs, he should win the Offensive Rookie of the Year. I don't right now think it's too close uh, when it, when it's all said and done. I, what he's done, he's given the Raiders offense an identity. He's um, went out there and, quite honestly, been the best player on the field for them. I would say the majority of the games that he, every game he's been in, he's been the best player on the field for the Raiders. I know you can make an argument for Derek Carr. You can make an argument for Trent Brown. You can make an argument for, for Tyrell Williams at times or even Darren Waller. But I think without Jacobs, that team is completely different. And even more so, without Jacobs, this team doesn't have four wins. He's established what John Gruden wants the Raiders to be. So you have to give him credit for that. And I think at the end of the day, you're looking at a guy who is literally going to be the face of the franchise and the face of what Gruden wants going forward. And I agree. He's got to get the ball early and often. I'd like to see him get between 25 and 35 touches, 25, 26 on the ground, the rest in the air, utilize him a little bit more in the screen game or get him out on, on little uh, routes in the flat. Maybe even isolate him on one of the backers. You know, try to try to get you know because with Ingram and Bosa, you got two guys that can really get to the quarterback. This is where I think Gruden's offense really helps because the ball gets out of Carr's hands really quick. Right, and and, and the offensive line has done a great job this season. You know, you got to give Tom Cable and company a lot of credit. A guy that I really dogged all offseason long that Tom Cable was on yep. the hot seat, but. I'll tell you, man, that offensive line has been cooking with grease. They really have, and they haven't had their whole cast of characters. The starting five have only been the starting five for 10 plays so far this season. 10 snaps. That's it. That's all that they've been together. All five of the starters have been together for 10 snaps this season, but yet the Raiders are doing a really good job keeping Derek Carr upright. They're doing a really good job getting uh, big holes for Josh Jacobs to run through, and he's averaging almost five yards a carry. That is nothing to shake a stick at. So, no, I'm, I'm very excited by the offensive line play, and, of course, Josh Jacobs, the way he's killing it. Like you said, he's the front runner for Offensive Rookie of the Year, has over 700 yards rushing. He's on pace to have over 1,400 yards. I mean, is he going to have that? Who knows? But, I mean, he could. He, he's Absolutely on pace to have over 1,400 yards his rookie year and uh, really have 12 touchdowns. He's got six right now. So, uh, yeah, that's a hell of a season for a rookie that wasn't even a starter at Alabama. So I'm very excited what he could bring to the table and what he is bringing to the table. And, yeah, Derek Carr is playing good ball, but there's a reason why he's playing good ball. That offensive line and number 28 behind him, they're all helping out in a major way. I agree. Cable has done a fantastic job this year, and I think he has his guys. You look at Brown, and look at Brown may or may not play on Thursday. He may not play in the game because of the knee, but the MRI came back clean. Incognito's been a very good player at left guard. That was never going to be a question yep. on the field. And so far off the field, you haven't heard anything, which makes it even better because that means the Raiders and Incognito are doing what they need to do to keep things together. Look it, I've been very critical of Colton Miller in the past. I was laughing at the pick. I thought it was a horrible pick. If you weren't taking him there, you could have traded back and got him a little later, I thought. But he's been healthy, and since he's been healthy in the NFL, so his first four games his rookie year and this year, he's been very, very good. And I give the kid credit where credit is due. Hopefully Hudson can come back. Uh, I don't think he will this week. I think they're going to give him another week off. 
But overall, the Raiders' offensive line has played very well. And look at for a bunch of cast-offs, other than Tyrell Williams at receiver and Hunter Renfro, who was drafted, the rest of those guys are cast-offs. Trevor, Trevor Davis, Trevor trading in there. Zay Jones trading in there. You look at you know, Keelan Doss, cut him, had to pay him a bunch of money to bring him back. You look at those guys, they're doing a very good job for the Raiders overall. And they complement Darren Waller, another cast-off, who's arguably the best tight end in the NFL. The Raiders have done a really good job of knowing the pieces that they want, targeting them, and then bringing them in, identifying them, targeting them, and bringing them in because they want guys that fit what they want to do. They don't don't want to get a guy because he's a big name. Yes, they're going to have 85-plus million dollars in salary cap space next year. Does that mean they spend it all on guys? No. I can see them locking up some of their other guys, keeping them there long-term, and finding guys that fit what they want to do. At the end of the day, if the Raiders win, they're 5-4. and four. If the Chiefs lose, they're 5-4 and four as well. Or no, they're, they're maybe what, 6-3? and three? The Raiders uh, are, are a game behind them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They play more games than the Raiders have. So the Raiders will be a, a game or a half a game behind them, and that puts the Raiders in a position to not only compete for a wild card spot, but let's say Kansas City continues to have hiccups. And Mahomes is coming back, but his knee, his knee is, is you know, it's still a dislocated kneecap. At the end of the day, you're looking at a guy, if he gets hurt again, Kansas City is a different ball team, ball, ball club. It's a different football team. Right. You never know what could happen. So kudos for the Raiders and what they're doing right now. And I'll, I'll ask you this question, Q. Serious, serious question. Who's in a better position long-term? The Raiders, the Chargers, or the Rams? Or the Rams? Well, the Rams ain't in their division. Yeah. So, it, it, I mean, it don't matter what the Rams do because they're not in their division. But uh, I think that the Raiders are set up way better than than the Chargers are long-term. I think the Raiders are set up way better than the Broncos are long-term. Uh, the Chiefs, that's another question because they got young Patrick Mahomes and he's a stud and Andy Reid is doing some big things with all that talent that they got. Uh, the Rams, uh, I think the Rams are in win-now mode. If they don't win now, then they're in trouble. I mean, you know, I think that's bottom line. Even though they went out and got Jalen Ramsey, they're going to have to pay him a boatload of money. Brandon Cooks is already making a lot of money. Jared Goff's making a lot of money. Todd Gurley's making a lot of money. Aaron Donald's making a lot of money. At some point, something's got to give. They already traded away Aqib Tlaib because, well, something had to give. They traded away Marcus Peters because, well, something had to give. I mean, there's there's some pieces that they're going to be missing because they don't they can't afford everybody. So, yeah, the Rams, I think, are in trouble if they don't go win right away. But they're in position to win right away. But now all of a sudden they're looking up and they're thinking, damn, this NFC West is a lot tougher than we thought it was going to be because San Francisco's playing lights out and they got a big game this Monday with uh, Seattle. And I think those are the two that actually matter in the NFC West. The Seattle Seahawks and San Francisco 49ers, I don't think the Rams are even an equation this year, but that's just me. Well, the reason why I point those teams out, those are the three teams that all relocated and got approved for relocation around the same time. The Rams, to me, are are in win-now mode. The long-term, I think they're in trouble because of the amount of capital they've spent to bring players in, and they have to pay those guys. That means when they do draft players, whenever that may be, they have to hit on them. If not, their depth 
is going to take a serious hit, and they don't have the capital to bring people in and and and, and fill those those holes and those needs. At the net, I'll, I'll flip it to the Chargers. I personally think the Raiders are in a better position than the Chargers because the Raiders have all the young pieces in place right now. The Raiders have the quarterback in place. They have their young running back for the next five years in place. They have their young ascending tight end locked in for the next four plus years or three, you know, whatever it is on the, on the deal that he signed. They have a, a receiver that's young and that, that fits the mold. They have young defensive guys in place, foundation pieces. Uh, Chargers have good on the defensive side foundational pieces, but offensively, especially once Gordon leaves, I, I think they're in a lot, a lot of trouble. And, and it's gonna and for an owner that doesn't like to spend money, good luck going. We're gonna have to overpay to get guys because of all the things that happened in LA as far as tax wise that they're gonna have to pay for. Where the Raiders won't have that problem. That's why I asked that question because if the Raiders win tomorrow, they're again they're five and four, and they're in a position where this could be the beginning of them really taking the screws to the Chargers and the Broncos, for that matter, because they're even more hurt than anybody in that division right now, for a very, very long time, and it being a division that the Raiders and Chiefs are the primary contenders to come out of that division and make a run for a Super Bowl. Yeah, that's no doubt. I mean, that's no doubt. And then on top of that, the Chargers at some point are going to lose Phillip Rivers. I mean, at some point, Phillip Rivers is going to have to go to the wayside, and then who's their quarterback of the future? Right now, the Raiders feel great with who they have. I know a lot of people have questioned that. A lot of Raider fans have questioned if Derek Carr is the guy. But like we mentioned earlier in the show, man, Derek Carr is definitely the dude. There's no doubt about that. Uh, John Gruden has all the faith in him. He's uh, set him up for success. And Derek Carr is executing. So, I mean, he's a guy. He's still a young guy. Uh, he's a guy that the Raiders can can rely on for years to come where you just don't know how long Phillip Rivers is going to be around. So, yeah, all of a sudden you lose Melvin Gordon, who, whatever, you know, we could dis- uh, agree to disagree on him. He's, he's okay. Uh, you lose him, you lose – you know, you lose uh, Philip Rivers, then all of a sudden you're wondering, like, okay, well, what's going on? And and the Chargers, they always find a way to charge things up anyway. Even when they have expectations to go deep into the playoffs and make a, a deep run, they find a way to mess things up, or they get injured and, and they just can't do it, or they have uh, screw-ups on, on special teams where they can't make a field goal. I mean, they find ways to put themselves in terrible situations and lose a lot of games. So uh, they're just one of those teams that are kind of sitting out there on an island where you don't really know who they are. But I definitely think the, the two best teams in the AFC West moving on, uh, you know, moving forward are going to be the Chiefs and the Raiders because the Raiders have a lot of pieces. They do. They absolutely have a lot of foundational pieces. And uh, who knows what they're going to do in this next upcoming draft. But if they hit on the guys like they hit on the guys this year, then, yeah, they're absolutely like what I like to say all the time, cooking with grease. They have some guys that are going to play, and they're going to play a lot of minutes. They're going to play a lot of time, a lot of burn, and they're going to, you know, continue to get better. Right now the Raiders are a very young team. Think about the guys that are out there playing. They are a very, very young team, and all these guys are contributing. That is a major thing right now. So I think the Raiders, are, they're set up for success, and I like the direction they're going. We have a question from uh, Erie Raider, and he is he's a great follow, follow very knowledgeable Raider fan. Uh, he's the, he's the, the, the person that asked us if we wanted, why don't we do more breakdown of the game versus what we normally talk about it. Um. And this is not how we do our show. You know, there's another there's other shows that do things their way, and that's cool. Uh, but we do it our way. So 
his question is this. Uh, did the Raiders switch to more man coverage in the second half of the Lion game? Uh, he says that um, in the third quarter, Stafford stalled somewhat, uh, and it seems like zone is killing the Raiders, especially against really good quarterbacks. Um, and he says, will, he asks, will Phillip Rivers light up uh, the Raiders, or how bad will he light up the Raiders? I, I, first of all, I think part of Detroit's problem is their offensive coordinator sucks. Daryl Bevel is, is I don't know how the dude still has a job in the NFL as a coordinator. Um, his agent, God bless him, uh, he, he probably got Joe Johnson his deal with the Atlanta Hawks a few years ago, uh, gun and ski masking uh, the paycheck. Uh, that being said, the Raiders did go to a little bit more man coverage, but at times you have to play zone because certain situations dictate it. If it's third and long, you're not going to play man because your back is turned as a DB. It's easier for a quarterback, even Phillip Rivers, to get out and run. You play everything in front of you, you play the, what they call the sticks. You keep everything in front of you in the sticks. You're going to give up completions. You're not going to go through a game where you're not giving up third-down completions. So you have to play zone. Sometimes it's a necessary evil. And for some teams, they can disguise their blitzes coming out of zone. I know Gunther, at least in Cincinnati, preferred more zone covers than to man. But sometimes you have to adjust to your personnel, and that's something that he's done this year. He plays a lot of zone. I mean, he does play a lot of zone. I'm not really a big fan of it because uh, even when they do play the sticks and they have third and long, for some reason as of late, they've been giving it up. Third and 20, no problem. Second and 18, no problem. First and 25, no problem. I mean, you know what I mean? It's just time after time after time. These third and longs and, and all these, uh, you know, these, these situations where you feel like it should play in favor of the defense, they don't. You know, the Lions, they killed the Raiders on third and 20. They were picking it up. Like, there's no reason for that. And even in the zone, when they're supposed to have their, their eye on the ball and keep everything in front of them and, and come up and make the tackle, they weren't doing it. I don't know what the struggle is with the zone. I don't know why they, they struggle so bad, but they really do. Uh, I agree with you on the on the man-to-man. Sometimes you have to, you know, play zone because man can get you burned. But, hell, they're getting burned either way. So I, I really don't know what the answer is to that. Uh, I know that they did kind of switch up a little bit and go to man as far as I know, but I think Paul Gunther mainly is a zone dude. And that, unfortunately, even going back to the Houston game, a lot of times that had a linebacker lined up on DeAndre Hopkins. That's a that's a kill all day long for the wide receiver. DeAndre Hopkins, a guy like that, is going to kill the linebacker, no matter who it is. I mean, it really doesn't matter in the league who it is. If you get D-Hop on the linebacker, he's going to win that battle 9 out of 10 times, probably 10 out of 10. And, and that's what he did in Houston. So I, I think that the Raiders need to get a little bit more creative defensively. I think uh, Paul Gunther needs to disguise what he's doing a little bit more. But as of late, man, that, that zone defense has been getting killed. And I don't know what they're going to do to correct that. But they've got to do something quick, fast, and in a hurry because they will get beat up. And Phillip Rivers, he asked if he's going to light them up. Yeah, he will light them up. He, him and Keenan Allen will go off. Hunter Henry will go off. Those guys like that, they will go off if you give them time to throw the ball. They got to get pressure on the quarterback, and the, D, the DB's got to be in good position. Got to be able to, uh, you know, if you're going to play zone, you got to play your coverage to the T. If not, you're going to get you're going to get burned. And I'll say this: Detroit has better receivers than the Chargers do. Galladay, Marvin Jones Jr., 
Those are legitimate guys. After Keenan Allen, I couldn't tell you another receiver on the, on the Chargers. I miss being one, and I follow football often fairly close. I mess up names every now and again, but I know who I'm talking about. But overall, I'm really not a uh, a big fan of, of the Chargers receivers other than Allen. So um, I agree. I mean, but sometimes guys get caught cheating. You know, you you're safe. You get caught look peeking in the backfield, and he's not he's not he's not where he needs to be. So that's something that they have to that is you know you you have to be disciplined and diligent with your eyes. And that's something that I don't think some of the players are yet, and some of them will never, never will be because they're set in their ways. And those are the guys that won't be a Raider for a long period of time. Uh, Q, I want to point out for everybody in Vegas, uh, next Sunday, the 17th at noon, the new – well, it's new because it's the first year in existence, uh, even though they played a full season there. The Las Vegas ballpark in Summerlin It's where – the uh, Las Vegas Aviators, the A's AAA team plays. They're having a Raiders watch party. Again, it starts at noon. Admission is free, and the first 1,500 fans uh, through the gates will receive an exclusive Raiders T-shirt as part of a giveaway. So that's the 17th. The Raiders are having a watch party at the Las Vegas ballpark starting at noon. The first 1,500 fans through the gates will get a, uh, a shirt commemorating it. And it's free for, for those in attendance. So that, that's real big. The Raiders are doing so much stuff in the community. Uh, Ford became a new official partner of Allegiant Stadium today. And businesses are lining up for the Raiders here in Las Vegas on a, on a local and national level. And it only cements the fact that this was the right move for the team overall to move to Las Vegas. Yeah, that was big time, man. I saw that Ford, uh, you know, that they came together with Ford like that. That's a that's a big time sponsor right there. They're going to get a lot more where that came from. And uh, yeah, man, uh, the Raiders are doing great things business wise. And all that's going to do, uh, Raider Nation is going to continue to build the the worth and the value of the franchise. And so when people start talking about Mark Davis and what the team is worth and where they're at, it's just going to continue to climb and climb and climb. That stadium, all those sponsorships, everything that they got going, that's all going to go into that. And that's going to be major for the Raiders moving forward. I agree. Well, brother, that's it for this week. We 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 got it in. We got it done. Hey, and, you didn't uh, say you didn't say who you thought was going to win the game on uh, on Thursday. Most folks are probably going to listen to this on Thursday. So, uh, who who do you think wins the game? Basically, not well. I guess tonight. You know, Thursday night. Who do you think is going to win the game? You know, I I'm, I think the Raiders win, uh, and I don't think it's going to be close. I actually looking like a. I'll say a 34-14, type game. Damn. I, I think that I, I believe wholeheartedly that they're in a position now where these are the games they should beat, and it's at that part of the season where you teams, the good teams, start separating themselves from the bad teams, and that's where they're at right now. I, I think the Raiders are going to start separating themselves. And look, when you're when you travel around the world. And you have games in, what, four different continents, five different continents up until last week. And you're home, and you're home for a substantial period of time. The rest of your schedule is very favorable. This bodes well for the Raiders to make a run. And, look, are they, to me, are they a Super Bowl contender? No. Are they a team that could get into the playoffs? Yes. Are they a team that could get into the playoffs and win a game? Maybe. But I think they're a team that could definitely get into the playoffs, and then it's a new season and all bets are off. 
that's where running the ball and defense comes into play. I think tomorrow night the Raiders really establish themselves as a team and where they want to be and where they're going to be going forward from this point on between the rest of the time in Oakland and moving forward here in Las Vegas. You know, I hope you're right. I would love for them to get a big victory like that because then I don't have to sweat it. I don't have to sit on the end of my couch and be nervous, you know, like I've been throughout the rest of the season. I don't think it's going to be that much of a spread. I do think that the Raiders win the game, but I think that they win 27-24. I think they come away with uh, three more points because, one, the Chargers miss a field goal, and, two, that Raiders crowd is going to give the Raiders that energy to go ahead and get that extra field goal that they need later in the game and uh, separate and get that victory. Again, 27-24 is what I pick. I think uh, the strength of the Raiders – uh, crowd, the home crowd there in Oakland, the great crowd there in Oakland, the great fans there in Oakland. They'll feed the team. They'll 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 push them a little bit more to get that W. And then Daniel Carlson comes up with a big field goal late. And of course, the Chargers find a way to screw things up, and they'll miss a field goal at some point. But that's how the Raiders come up with a victory and move to five and four on the season with a twenty-seven twenty-four victory. The Chargers struggled in the red zone last week against Green Bay. That's indicative of a new uh, first-time play caller like their new offense coordinator, those struggles I think are going to continue. That's why I think there's going to be, uh, it's going to be a wider margin of error where Gruden's offense is better in the red zone. So that's why I like a, a larger margin of victory than most people. And that may be praying for Raider Nation to get this win and being extremely hopeful. But I hate saying who I think win games because a lot of the times, um, I'm wrong, and, and I feel like I jinxed him. You know, so so people ask me, well, who's going to win this game? Or who's gonna, I don't. Hey, I just want to see a good game. I hope this is what happens. But I think the Raiders are a more talented team, especially at the skill positions, and I actually think they're better coached, uh, from top to bottom. So I like the Raiders. Um, I like the Raiders in tomorrow on Thursday night, 100. percent So, you. I know we took a week off. I know we had a lot of stuff going on. Next week, I'm going to have a surprise for you. Oh, damn it. We're going to have a surprise for all of Raider Nation next week. So you guys got to make sure you're tuning in to Q&A next week. And uh, don't forget, check out the Black Hole, uh, Silver and Black Hole podcast with Nick Hamilton and Kaylin Sokol. Uh, there has been some changes to Silver and Black Pride podcast network. Um and even the website for that matter. So uh, so be on the lookout for, for that. It's going to be a very, that show's going to be very interesting. The one that Nick did this week was a very good show. Uh, I had the pleasure of listening to it already. 30 minutes, folks, that's all it is. And Nick, you get to listen to the loonies at the end of it. So yeah. can't go wrong with that. So uh, for your boy Q, I'm Joe Arrigo. This is Q&A. We thank you for listening. And thank you for tuning in to the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network, powered by SB Nation.